Well, good evening. It's good to see you. I want to welcome you to our uh, second Christmas Eve service uh, this evening. I hope that you are doing well. I'll let you know we've been praying for you, not only for this service, but also just as God will um, take you to your different places, destinations following the service. We're asking that God would uh, bless that time uh, in your family uh, during this, this season. It's been, uh, it's been a wild few years, hasn't it? With, uh, with everything we've been, we've been going through. Uh, Christmas, just when you think it's going to feel normal again, it doesn't, doesn't feel like we thought it was going to. But um, God is still on his throne, and we have hope uh, and certainty there. Well, um, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things to do around Christmas time is to watch uh, Christmas-themed movies. Uh, any, anybody in here, show of hands, enjoy Christmas Christmas movies. Um, we had someone in our first service that was a really big fan of Christmas movies. Uh, I won't. I won't remember. I won't acknowledge her name, <clears throat> Kim Garner, and uh, really, really enjoys the Hallmark movies that come out. And made the point that really don't count because it's just the same movie over and over and over again with different characters. Um, but I mean. Christmas movies, we, we enjoy them. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite Christmas movies, um, <clears throat> you may not think it's a Christmas movie, and it's not Die Hard, don't worry, there's a debate on that. One of my favorite Christmas movies is Home Alone. Anybody familiar with that one? Show of hands. Like it? Like it? It's pretty good. Um, for those of you that have not seen it or heard of it, I'm going to give you a breakdown of it real quickly. Um, I am going to spoil it for you. If you haven't seen it yet, you probably aren't going to see it, and you're not going to feel too spoiled uh, by it. Uh, so essentially, it's the story of terrible parents and um, a completely inept local government. Um, I don't even know the way of putting it. A, a young boy in his like preteen age uh, oversleeps in his entire family, including everyone on the block and police officers as well, all leave town, uh, leaving Kevin McAllister at home alone by himself, uh, trying to figure out how to take care of himself while his family's alone. Unfortunately, there's this uh, criminal duo uh, named the Wet Bandits. Um, It's led by these two gentlemen by the name of Marv and Harry, and they are intent on breaking into uh, Kevin's house, which is an amazing house, by the way, uh, up in the Chicago area. It's a real house. Uh, I was talking to one of our uh, friends earlier today. He actually knows the person that owned the house uh, for decades in, in the Chicago area. Um, beautiful home. Um, Kevin's family lived in it in this movie. And Kevin is able to do what any, anything he wants to do. But whenever the wet bandits try to break in, you know, instead of reasonably calling literally anybody, he, he defends the house. And uh, it's, it's a really exciting thing to watch uh, him defend the house. Unless you have a kid that kind of likes to attempt those types of things, in which case you probably don't need to show him the movie. Uh, because while these two gentlemen survive... Uh, most people would not survive the type of beating that they receive at the hands of this, uh, this young man. Um, but it's full of energy, and with all the energy and all the excitement when the movie, sometimes you can miss some of the deeper points that are related to the movie. I think that's made it a little bit of a classic. And there's a point at which in the movie, 
Uh, Kevin is, is, is kind of, I don't know exactly where he's at. I feel like he's near a graveyard at one point for some reason. And he is uh, tracking down, he's running down this department store Santa. Now, this is not the real Santa. Uh, he tells him, he's like, look, I know you're not the real Santa, but I know you work for him. So I need you to deliver a message to the real Santa for me. So Kevin tells him, look, of all the things that I want this year and all the things I would typically receive, the only thing I want this year is for my family to come back. And now you're thinking, why would he have to do that? This is before the days of email and cell phones and the ability to communicate with anybody. He doesn't know where they're at. They don't know where he's at. They don't know really what's going on. But what he wants more than anything is for his family to come back. Now, that's an interesting statement. Kevin had all the freedom that you could wish for as a young child, and yet in the midst of all this, his instinct told him, in spite of all the trouble that my family brings me, in spite of all the nonsense that they put me through, he has a, he has a relative named Buzz that's just really problematic. He's trouble. Um, he even wants Buzz to come back. He wants his family to come home. He would rather be a part of this family than have all the freedom that being apart from them affords him. He longed to feel like he belonged, like he was a part of something, like he was actually in a family again by being in their presence. In some ways, you may actually feel similar this Christmas season. Uh, Some of you are wrestling with different things um, this evening. Some of you are wrestling with the fact This will be the first Christmas without a loved one, and things just do not feel right. It feels broken, feels like something's missing. Some of us are feeling distant from loved ones while we're still in their presence. It might be a relationship with a spouse, maybe a relationship with a child, maybe a relationship with a parent. We may be physically in the same room together, but we feel relationally worlds apart. Some of you may be feeling that in just a few hours... You will gather with family members and there will be one family member that's missing because they've gone astray in some way. Maybe they've made bad decisions that's kind of pulled them away from your family. Or maybe you've made bad decisions that's pushed them away and you feel guilty and you wish that you could fix it, but you don't know. And there's just going to be this gap that you're wrestling with working through even as you think about gathering with your family soon. For others... This moment right now might be the closest thing to gathering with other people during the holiday season that you do. And you know that as soon as this is over, the loneliness will set back in because you don't have anywhere to go and no one to be with. You you kind of want to linger, which is one of the things that we're going to invite you to do, that following the service we have hot chocolate and coffee and wassail, which is, for those of you that didn't know what that is, uh, that is hot apple cider I did not know what that was when I first got here. And I don't know if that's a Texas thing. I don't know if it's like something Aggies do. I know how y'all are. It's the same thing. So feel free to get some of that. But, but, but you're going to have a tendency to say, I don't want to leave because I know if I leave, I'm going to walk right back into the brokenness, right back into the despair, right back into the depression and the feelings that I'll have because I know that I'm alone. Others, you may be here. Uh, because you're fulfilling an obligation to your family. You really don't want to be here. And the reason you don't want to be here or be in a church at all is because you've been hurt by the church or you've been hurt by people in the church. And I understand it. You, you don't trust me and you don't trust others that are around you. But because you love your family, you said, I'm, I'm going to go. But I don't really feel welcome here. 
because of the harm that I've been through. Whatever it is up to this point, I would want you to hear me say this. I hear you. This church hears you. You are seen. You are heard. And there is hope for you to belong to family again. That sense of loss, which is real, the pain, the suffering, the sorrow, the despair, the loneliness, and the brokenness, they do not have to define you or drown you this evening. That instinct that cries out the depth of our soul to belong again, as Kevin's did, is a good instinct that God has placed within us. And he's placed that instinct within us that we would find our home in him. Which brings us to the passage I want us to look at this evening that we're going to consider briefly in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to look along with me. If you do not, that's okay. You can follow along on the screen. This passage speaks of what it means to be brought to God's family and to belong again. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Would you pray with me tonight? Heavenly Father, I ask that you, in your kindness, Lord, would speak to us in your word. Guard me from error and bless your people. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. How do we belong again? Specifically, how do we belong to the family of God again? This is what Galatians is talking about. Now, before we just jump immediately back into it, I'm not going to give us all the background information because, in all honesty, many of you are familiar with it. We've looked through the whole book of Galatians before, a few years ago. But one of the things that we need to be aware of in the book of Galatians is that Paul is writing because there are these false teachers that are threatening the church in Galatia. Now, we got any kids in here? Show of hands, raise, holler out, hoot, it's okay. You don't have to be quiet, it's all right. So I want you to imagine just for a second that later on, whether it's this evening when you get to see open presents or it's tomorrow you get to open presents, I want you to imagine that mom and dad or your grandparents, your aunt and uncles, they pull you around and say, look, look, we got all these presents for you, but in order for you to receive the presents, this is, this is it. This is what you've got to do. You've got to do this, 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 and this. And if you don't do all those things in the exact right way, you can't get any presents. Does that sound like good news? It doesn't sound like a present, does it? It sounds like a wage. It sounds like something you earn. Now, fortunately, I don't think that's going to happen to anybody here tonight. I don't think that you're going to show up and mom and dad say, you know what? In order for you to get your presents, you have to earn your presents. But that's essentially what the false teachers were doing in Galatia. They were saying, look, you want to belong to the family of God? We told you and Paul told you that it's by grace in reality, to belong to the family of God, you got to do this, 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 and this, and you have to do it exactly right or you can't belong. Paul says, that is not what I taught you, and it's not what God would have us know. We belong to the family of God by the grace of God. And so he's writing to try to eliminate these obstacles that false teachers are putting between them and God. So that brings our attention back to Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5, 
where Paul is teaching his audience that people become a part of the family of God by becoming a child of God. It's not by human effort. It's by God's grace. So please hear me tonight. If you don't hear anything else that I say, I need you to hear this. Because you may have been taught something else at some point. You may have been taught that in order to belong to God, you have to behave a certain way. You have to be able to accomplish certain things. You may have been told that you have to know a lot of things. This is what you need to know. You need to know is that you belong to God's family by grace, not your performance. Look with me at verses 4 and 5 again. Just listen to what they say. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. There are at least three things I'd have us look at this passage quickly. The first is that we enter God's family according to God's plan. Notice what it says, but when the set time had fully come, we are not naturally born into God's family. God had a plan to make us a part of his family. Before the world was formed, God planned. He set a time when he would accomplish what would need to be accomplished for us to be a part of his family. So it's his plan, not our plan, that puts us in his family. So first, we enter God's family according to his plan. The second thing we do is we see that, according to this passage, we enter God's family through God's provision. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. I love what one Bible teacher says about this. He says, God sent his son not just from Galilee to Jerusalem, not just from a manger to the cross, but all the way from heaven to earth. The full implications of this text can hardly be grasped in human language. In sending Jesus, Jesus did not, God did not send a substitute or a surrogate. He came himself. Not only did God have a plan, God himself came to make us a part of his family. But how did he do this? The passage goes on and tells us. God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem us. Now, why would we need to be redeemed? That's kind of strong language, right? Why, why would we need to be saved? That implies that, that we are in slavery. It implies that we're in danger. Here's why. Notice how it says, born under the law to redeem those that were what? Under the law. It is because of the law, which reveals God's righteous character, that we come to realize that we have fallen short of his righteousness. The book of Romans talks about this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were and we are sinners apart from God's gracious salvation. So what God has done in Christ, the Son of God, he came fully identifying with us yet without sin so that he might do for what we could not do for ourselves. As one person put it, Christ not only became man bound to obedience, but he, came, he became a curse for us. He made our doom his own. He took on him not only the calling of a man, but our responsibility as sinful human beings. It is in this that his work of our Redeemer lies. For it is in this that the measure, or rather the immensity of his love is seen. The Son of God was sent into this world for you to be redeemed. 
He was sent to this world to live and to die in your place. Now the question is, is why? Why would he do this? Which is the third thing that we see in this passage. Not only is our salvation, not only we brought into his family according to his plan through his provision, but finally, we enter God's family for his purpose or by his purpose. And what is that purpose according to Galatians chapter 4? That we might receive adoption to sonship. That we might become a part of his family. Because I've already said, we're not naturally born into his family. We must be born again by the work of the Holy Spirit. We must be adopted into his family. We cannot earn our way into his family. We cannot perform ourselves through, we cannot be redeeming ourselves through performance. We cannot buy ourselves into his presence. We cannot belong based on what we've done, but only based upon what he has done. And this is the wonderful news about this passage. It's the most wonderful news about Christmas is that he not only redeems us, but he adopts us. He not only brings us out of slavery to sin, but he makes us sons and daughters. Through Jesus, God not only sets us free from sin, but he moves us from being slaves to sons and daughters of God. He moves us into the house. He does this by paying the price of our redemption by his own life, death, and resurrection. The penalty that your sins and my sins deserve was paid by Jesus on our behalf. The message of Galatians 4 then is not, will God be willing to save me? There's no question about his willingness to let us come into his family, but rather, will we receive and accept his invitation to be a part of his family by faith in the Son of God? I've got to admit, as I've gotten older, and I know that I'm not old, because every time I say I'm getting older, people say, you're not old. Well, I'm older than I was, okay? I mean, I'm old enough that my phone watch thing reports to me when I have an elevated resting pulse, which is embarrassing because I'm not doing anything when it brings this up. So I'm old enough to have my phone and my watch telling me that I'm not active enough. But as I've gotten older, I'm recognizing that I tend to cry a little bit easier. Saw this in other relatives of mine growing up, people that were kind of hard and uh, not as emotional, far more likely to cry and show their emotion as they've gotten older. And the internet has not really helped me being able to suppress this. So uh, one of the things that I cannot watch in the presence of people that I don't want to cry in front of is I cannot watch... Uh, reunion videos of soldiers showing up to surprise their children at school or an extracurricular event. No, I can watch them. I just can't stop crying. I know what's going to happen every time in a cry. There's something about that embrace of that child around their father. I just, I can't help it. But there's another video that, that kind of sticks out to me that made me think about this passage. It really gets me. And I tend to see them around Christmas time. These are these videos where you've got a family and they're sitting around and you have kind of an older child, typically a teenager, 
and they've got one last present to open under the tree. That's what it typically is. Hey, we got one last present for you, so they bring the present out. And it's normally like a picture. And, and everyone, is, everyone is sitting there kind of watching this teenage child open the present. And y'all know how teenagers are whenever they're opening the presents. And it's, thanks. Where's the next one? Something's, diff- something's different about this present. So they start to open the present, and they start to unwrap it, and they're looking at it. Here it is. It's, it's framed. And then this big smile breaks across their face. And then the smile moves with tears start to flow. And then the camera kind of pans over and sees the parents. And the parents are really excited about this, this thing that the, this child is looking at. And you're like, what's, what's going on in the moment? And people go, hey, what, what is it? What, what, what kind of picture is it? Did, did you get into college? Is it, you know, it's never that. It's almost always the ones I've seen. It's a framed document that tells them you're being adopted. You finally have a home. A home that's yours. You don't have to live out of a bag anymore. You can put your clothes in the dresser. You don't have to refer to me by my first and last name. You can refer to me as mom and dad. These children have been in and out of foster homes. They haven't known the security and the safety. And they are overjoyed. Why? Because now they have a family. Someone had a plan. And they provided to pull the plan off with the purpose of making the child theirs. That's the story It's true of every person in this room that has been brought into the family of God. While we were warring and rebelling against God, He sent His Son, His only Son, into the world, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those of us that were under the curse of the law. Why? So that you and I, who are not children of God by birth, could be brought into the family through adoption. The question before us tonight is the question before those children. It is not one of the willingness of the Father. I would rather you be adopted tonight. Do you hear Jesus telling you, you can belong here. You can have hope here. Redemption and forgiveness are yours here. Will you receive this adoption through faith? Will you become a child of God by my grace can't work your way into this family. You can't break in. I came after you. I have made the offer and I want you. Would you be adopted tonight? All the work has been done. You just have to receive it. God sent his son so that you could become one of his children and be in his family. Would you receive it tonight? Twice in his son. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are incredibly good to us. We thank you for your plan, for your provision, and your purpose to make us your children. 
Jesus, we thank you for coming. Holy Spirit, we thank you for placing within our hearts the confidence that we can cry out, Abba, Father, the spirit of adoption. Stir our hearts, Lord, with fresh affection. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we would normally have our prayer leaders up at the front, but we're closing our service differently. But for those of you that have never called upon the name of the Lord, that do not know this type of hope, but that want to feel and know that you belong to God today, that you want to be received into His family, to experience the adoption spoken of in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, what we've provided for you is an opportunity to text the word HOPE to the number on the screen. You can text the word HOPE to the number on the screen and someone from the church will get in touch with you, pray with you, and help you take the next steps of following Jesus to know what it means to be a part of the family of God. If you're not saved by texting this number, but it's certainly a step in the direction of coming to know what God in Christ has done for you. You may say, I want to know now. I want to call upon the name of the Lord right now, right where I'm at. How do I do that? How can I receive this adoption by faith? Right where you are, from your heart to the Lord, you can just say, Father, I recognize that I am a sinner. I recognize that that I don't belong in your family because of the things that I've done, but that you came after me that I might belong to you. You intend to adopt me, to save me with all my brokenness, with all my sorrow, with all my despair. You aren't afraid of any of it. You are willing, you are ready to save me. Have mercy on me, Lord. The promise of God's word is that those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you would call upon the name of the Lord tonight and say, Lord, I want to be adopted because of what Jesus has done for me. I believe he lived. I believe he died. I believe that he rose again so that I can be your child. That's your prayer tonight. The promise of his word is that you will be saved. If you would like for someone to follow up with you and be able to pray with you, you can text the word hope to the number on the screen. Father God, we thank you for your mercy toward us. I pray that you would use your word to stir your people's affections, to call out your people, to save the lost, to encourage your children. We long to belong to your family, Lord. Remind us that we are yours because of what you have done. It's in Jesus' holy name that we ask and pray. Amen. As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com. We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equip for Good. Thanks for listening.